but everything matters. Even the video, it doesn't have to be an elaborate, highly super edited, brilliant video. It has to just feel honest. And if you can do something that's a little bit unique, that represents who you are, I think that's really important. Created for the MAPE community, by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid. I'm your host, Carl Dezier. And our guest today, I've known them for a quite a few years, worked very closely, seen how they have single-handedly changed the perception of healthcare advertising among the MAPE community. They have been a huge supporter of everything that MAPE does. And the conversation we had today, I'm really excited to have it because it's focusing on 2021 class, how to help them, give them some insight on this MAPE application process that's going on right now. Applications due November 13th, probably the second most important day in November this year. But I, but, but stop, I'm going to let Ed introduce himself because I just, I just want to get into this. I'm ready to go. Ed, welcome. Tell well, that was a very generous... That was a very generous introduction. Yeah, so I'm Ed Frankel. Nice to see you, Carl. I, I was trying to think about how many years have we known each other? And I've been doing this thing at my current company for a little over six. And then in my previous, I think we did, th- I think I, I hosted three summers. So I'm going to say nine years. We've known each other nine years. Wow. Maybe, maybe a little longer, but so I'm Ed Frankel. I lead recruiting for Omnicom Health Group. We're a um, healthcare focused communications network. My team leads recruiting for the network. Like Carl said, been working with me for a long time. And for all the most obvious reasons, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're already connected to the org. So I'm just thrilled to be here. Thanks for letting me participate. Well, thanks for coming in to share some wisdom with all of us. And as you know, I'm, I'm just going to assume you've listened to at least one episode of this. We do a red, yellow, green check-in. For those who haven't listened, this is a check-in to kind of come in and see how we are coming into this, this moment in time, red being totally disconnected. You might be here physically, but you're not here anywhere else. Green being you're 100% engaged, ready to go. Yellow being somewhere in between. And you can mix, match, make shapes, do whatever you want, however you're feeling with those colors. Make up your own color if you want. Okay, so Ed, yeah, how, yeah. How, how, how are you coming in today? So I have listened to, to more than one of your podcasts, and I've heard people use colors like tangerine, but then they, they recanted that. But nonetheless, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to do that. But it's interesting. I think something that I've learned how to do is compartmentalize things that are going on in my life. So if like the, the events that are going on around us, like just turning on the news, if I focused on that, it'd be yellow bordering on red, depending on the story of the day. But I'm, I've gotten pretty good at compartmentalizing that out of it. So I'm going to focus on family and work, which I, it's interesting. I've heard a lot of people say like they're yellow to green. I, and maybe it's also because I'm an optimist. Maybe I'm spending too much time telling you about my color of the day, but I tend to try to stay in the green. Cause I feel like not every day is easy and you know, homeschooling three little kids and all the challenges that come along with keeping a team on track. I'm an optimist. So I feel like at least we're moving in the right direction. Everything isn't always perfect. So there's moments where we touch into the yellow. There's moments where we touch into the green. I try, I try to hover around there. 
And then if I'm feeling one of those red moments because of some horrifying thing that happens and we've been seeing more and more of that, I try to put pack that away somewhere and, and then and put it out of the spectrum, you know? So I'm not looking at the news a lot during the day. So I count on people to text me like, Ed, did you just see this? Or did you just hear about that? Because if I look, it pulls me out of position. So just trying to stay focused. I hope that, I hope that makes sense. That makes sense. Need more optimism these days. So glad you're bringing it wherever you go. Yeah, I'm trying, Carl. I'm trying. But it's also about surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, at some point. If not on this podcast, maybe another time. Maybe but, another time. You know, we got to, you got to get the right people around you, helping you on that path that you're on. And they'll help push you up. Listen, I'm sure it's going to come up because that's a huge part of that community that Mate brings, which is why a lot of folks stay in it, keep giving back, keep coming back whether they are Maple Lum or an agency or just somebody that's like, this sounds great. I want to be part yes, of this. Um, so it took me a little bit about, before we get into that, because I want to know a little bit more about you, your role at Omnicom Health Group. You said you had a network. It's a network. Like, what does that even mean? Because we know, we know Omnicom is a big holding company. How does Omnicom Health Group play in it? Like, so just give me a little background on that. All right. So yeah, you're right. I, I, thank you. I should do that. Set the table a little bit. So you know, there's a couple of major holding companies. Holding company is a company that owns a whole bunch of companies. Omnicom is one of them, one of the major holding companies, meaning they own hundreds, if not thousands of companies. And I work for one piece of that puzzle, which is the health group. So that they did a couple of years ago, it was four years ago, actually, they consolidated all of the healthcare focused companies under one basically sub holding company of Omnicom or Omnicom health group. They've always had what we call a shared service function, meaning like every company doesn't need to have its own payroll department. Every company doesn't need to have its own HR department. Every company doesn't need to have its own recruiting team or accounts payable. So under the leadership of uh, our longtime CEO, Ed Wise, they created this shared service years ago. And we've and continued Ed, that Ed now. Ed Wise is the CEO of Omnicom Health Group? Thank you. Yes, Ed Wise is the Omnicom Health Group CEO. My team is responsible for recruiting across our network. And when I say network, my team is filled hired people across 21 companies in 2020 here in the U.S. and across Europe. And I'm lucky enough to get to lead that team. And when I say companies, like I don't always use the word agency because some of our companies do identify as agencies. You know, like when you think of an advertising agency, we also have a company in there called MMG. They do patient recruitment. So, you know, if there's going to be a big research study and they need to go get, you know, 800 people that are living with a certain condition, they go out and find that those people and then recruit them to participate in these studies. That's like one company that we we own. Um, so there's a bunch of different kinds of companies, mostly agencies, but we do a lot of different things. Yeah, it seems that way. I guess you're the you're the guy to reach out to if folks want to work in healthcare advertising with 21 companies that you lead a team across who's, who's looking to fill fill probably a lot of roles. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting is that I know healthcare isn't always the first thing people think about when they're like launching their career in advertising. Because as a, you know, a person graduating from college or maybe a career changer, you're probably not like paying hyper attention to the commercial about diabetes, you know, or gout or uh, something related to oncology. So it's probably not everybody's first stop. But yes, we we are busy. The, the healthcare communications market is is thriving right now, which I'm so thankful for, especially during this pandemic. For people that are listening to this in like 10 years, like we're seven months into this pandemic, right? And we are growing, uh, you know, we've got several hundred open jobs. So yeah. So wow. somebody's looking for a gig, what I like to do is aim them, 
you know, like, all right, what do you do? What do you want? Where are you, where are you going with this? Talk to this person or look at this company and apply and then let me know you applied kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's been That's cool. Great. It's great. What's, I mean, with your role as the head of a recruiting team across 21 companies, I mean, how important is MAPE to what your team is trying to accomplish? You know, we've been working with MAPE for years now. And for a, for a network as big as ours, I wish I could say I have hundreds of MAPE fellows or MAPE alumni working in my network. We don't. But for the MAPE fellows that we do have, I think one of the things that they, that they help me do for a recruiting lead who's focused on shifting the way our business works in terms of recruiting and developing diverse talent is it reminds people, it's very high profile about here's an organization that is helping us accomplish this thing, this mission that we have of introducing and developing more diverse talent. So when we, and also, I'm sorry, we've been working with MAPE for so long, we've never had a MAPE failure. We've never had where like one of the 10 or 15 MAPERs that we bring in for a summer is the intern that like is a disaster, right? The intern that just stops showing up, the intern that does something really crazy. That, like that always happens. And people like every, the reason we, every year we keep hiring more and more MAPERs is because every year people are like, my God, these are our best interns. Sorry to the rest of our interns, but they're hyper-prepared. They, they're focused. They know what they want to do. They're not here because they like have a relative that works in the business. And they're thinking like, this might just be a way, a fun way to spend a summer working in advertising. So MAPE is a part, one piece of the broader mission. And it's so successful. There's a halo effect across everything else that we're trying to do for diversity. So like everybody knows Ed's the MAPE guy, but so when I introduce something else, I'm bringing the credibility of MAPE, that success, mm. and it makes it easier for people to say yes to other things. Wow. I, I don't know if I answered your question. I, I, <laughs> you did, I, if you did or did not, I don't even know. I'm just sitting here just taking that all in because I heard one shout out to all the MAPERs who've come through the program, the applicants, because what you said there is like, it's a testament to how they come in, their focus how just good they are at what they do and how ready they are to kind of take over this industry. And you didn't, I don't know if you said it, but I'm going to, I'm going to take an implication imply that this is what you meant. Credit to the program and how they prepare students for, you know, these young professionals for coming in to the agencies and giving, you know, providing and and upping their skills, both soft and hard skills coming in there. And then just the, the legacy that MAPE has. You said, you, I, I'm the MAPE guy, so I can come in because I, people know and trust and respect what MAPE brings. It actually opens doors for maybe other programs, other initiatives, other ideas of, of pushing forward equity, diversity, and inclusion. It's interesting because there are MAPERs that were with us years ago that people still reference. Uh, there was a woman, Teller Pawnell, I think she was like five or six summers ago, and she hasn't been on our network for a bit now. I think she's on Instagram as Tyler Sista. If anybody's interested in taking a look at Taylor's stuff, she puts out <laughs> some pretty interesting stuff. But people reference how successful she was as a MAPE fellow. And then she joined one of our agencies as a, as a creative. People still like reference the talent. They connect that dot back to MAPE. So it makes it hard. Like then nobody ever says no, which is good. And the thing that I remind our MAPE fellows every summer, whether it's at our orientation or when I get to present at your orientation or MAPE orientation is that they're all still trailblazers. They have to have a great summer because they may be the 46th class. Is that right? Was the 46th class this year? It'd be 2020 or 2021. Yeah, in 2020. I think it was the 46th class, right? I'm going to have to check in with the the folks back 
back in New York. Yeah, we're uh, check back. I think I think it might be forty seven, but so can we get confirmation? We'll get so, confirmation. So what we remind them is like there was forty five plus years, we'll say, of trailblazers before you. But if we have a disaster this summer, it's going to impact the students that want to come next year. So we have to be amazing. And the preparation thing, I think, is important because unlike any other program, when the May fellows show up on day one of their of their summer experience, they've already been through spring training. Mm-hmm. And when I tell agency leaders, by the way, when they show up on the first day, they already have gone through six weeks of training or however many weeks it is. They're like, Who's, who does the training? Are we doing that training? I'm like, no, MAPE does the training. Like there was a year, it was like, I think two of the classes were coding classes that they had to take. Yeah, yeah, and it were. was like, why are account people taking coding classes? Well, should we all have a better understanding of what each of us does? It's going to make you a better account person. It's going to make you a better project manager or a creative. So when I was learning things like that, even I mean, I've been involved with the program for years. I'm like, man, this makes it so much easier to even make the pitch. And then clearly that's why they're so well prepared on day one. Because it's not their day one. It's like day 55 or something. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of preparation that goes in, um, having had run MAPE, as you know, I know, I know all about that. And I remember those coding classes and I remember the, the applicants, the applicants, the participants, the MAPers complaining about that and not, and then when they get in, they're like, Oh, this is why you did it. I got it. I got it. Um, and I also got confirmation 2020 was the 47th year of MAPE. Wow. Pretty right? amazing. So that's, that's quite a history, quite a legacy that uh that applicants and eventually the mapers of 2021 will be joining. But let's you talk about the first day. Let's let's bring it back to now. Applications are due the 13th, which, you know, nerve-wracking. Well, then I think screening starts soon a couple of days after that and then the interview pro- this is a long grueling application process for these folks. You've been participating in that for for years. Let's let's back it up and, and just talk about when you are a potential screener, when you look at these applications and like they're pretty extensive, right? There's a lot of questions, there's a video. Who knows what else has been added? I haven't looked at the application in a long time. What what is the, what is like one of the first things you look for that you know would make a standout maper? So one of the things when I we teach this class art of the interview and I I often get asked, like, how do I even judge? How do I evaluate entry-level talent? They haven't done anything. They haven't done anything. Like, what is their, they haven't had any jobs or anything. And I say, well, then you're looking at the wrong talent. Mm. You're looking at the wrong talent. I like, when I'm looking at a profile, a resume, I'm reading letters of recommendation, I'm watching the make video. I mean, make video, making me think of Josh Oliver, we hired a couple of years ago. His make video was so good. Like everything else was good. His make video was so good. It's why we said yes. I was like, I got to meet and spend time with this human being. Uh, but nonetheless. No, I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because I remember when I was at the forays running MAPE and we introduced the video, it was, I felt like there was gonna be a mutiny from the applicants. Yeah. But to hear that like the video, you know, could help you stand out above mm-hmm. the rest. And it doesn't mean you have to make like this elaborately produced video, right? But I'm sure whatever made that stand out from what you said it was Josh. Yeah. I mean, he did spoken word walking through a park. Somebody, I don't know if he was holding the camera or somebody else was. It was one shot, him walking through a park, and it just affected me. So, yeah, I think it is good. Look, change is hard, Carl. I mean, like I, maybe at some point we'll talk about what happened this summer, but I can't believe people had mutiny over a video, but now it's ubiquitous. So just pick up your phone and make a video. What's the big deal? Yeah, yeah, ahead of, ahead of our time. Um, so you're saying the video 
Yeah. So we like overachievers when I'm, when I'm talking with my recruiters or we're talking with hiring managers, like we, we get lots of applicants. And one of the things I say is like, we're fortunate to receive a lot of applicants for entry level roles. Let's look for the overachievers. Let's look for the student that had a job for three summers during college and got an increasing amounts of responsibility. I don't care if it was at an agency or the gap, you know, I want to see people that have demonstrated that they could show up and do more. You know, if the resume come across, comes across the desk or the application comes across the desk and it's like, you know, they got an average GPA and I'm not really seeing much else. And letters of recommendation that feel like I wrote them mm. like to like, not to say, I, I mean, I write good letters. What I'm saying is like, I don't really know you, but you asked me for a letter. So I'll write you a letter. What I'm looking for people that are, that can stand out that have differentiated themselves in some sort of way. It doesn't have to be like some, like, you know, I, I, I like climbed every major mountain peak across whatever. I don't need That's that. Cool, I just like to see consistency of showing up and overachieving. I showed up and I, I helped lead the project. I showed up my first summer at the gap. I was just folding clothes. My second summer, I got to be a shift supervisor. And my third summer, I was a key holder for the store. Like that's a person that deserves respect because that's not easy to do, you know, as a college student, stay focused, but everything matters. Even the video, it doesn't have to be an elaborate, highly super edited, brilliant video. It has to just feel honest. And if you can do something that's a little bit unique that represents who you are, I think that's really important. But it's interesting because I, I was I was just going to say, it's like, I've heard, I've met with fellows who are like, I got my application done the day before the deadline. Mm-hmm. I'm like, your video the day before the deadline? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, wow, like it must've been really good. Because I want to say, take time, get it done right. Don't wait till the last minute. But not everybody has that gift where like with 15 minutes to go, they're going to produce great content. So okay. I like overachievers. I like overachievers. I mean, it's... Um, first off, I'm glad that I don't have to apply to MAPE with you as a, a screener interview because I probably wouldn't make it in. But and but people applying now are so much more talented than I ever was and will be. I think you hit on something early on where you said like, you know, what are you looking for? People like, well, they don't have the experience. And I think that's such a narrow viewpoint that I just want to bring up because I've heard that so many times, not even just with MAPE applicants, but with you know people looking for full-time roles at any level. It's like, well, what does that even mean? They don't have the experience. Right, or they haven't had, especially as a as a more junior entry level folks, like you don't you haven't done anything. And I, I think you made a great point. It's like you let's let's broaden that. People have done so much, especially now. Some people have actually like worked at an agency because it was through their school and they've done campaigns and they've done things. Some people have started their own stuff, some people have done stuff totally different and worked up. And so I, I love that point of like there's what are I think our, the industry's view of what experience actually is is so narrow sometimes, it misses out on such exceptional talent who has transferable skills in there because I'm getting up in the years. I've forgotten some of my other points. I should have wrote it down. Whether it's the video or this, I agree with like, as long as your applications should be and put forth who you are. Cause in the end, that's what people are going to want are going to be connected with. Your video could be a walk in the park with spoken word. It could be if you're an animator or something animated. It could just be you sitting in front of your hair, just speaking from the heart about why you love advertising, what you want to do. I don't know. I'm just so glad I'm not applying to me this time, this day and age. So it's definitely something to think about, you know, as you go, like, well, what, who am I and what do I want to show through this application about that? As well as like, you know, what I've done and what experience, because those two things together, will make you, I think, make you that standout applicant. 
Yeah, I mean, like I, you, you hit on something in there. It's like that people are doing things. Like we work in a culture, an industry of makers, right? So, and that doesn't mean you have to be a copywriter or an art director or a photographer to be a maker. All of us have the potential through social media, through the cameras that are in our pockets, the access to be able to, to type and have put your thoughts on paper. So I've heard a lot of makers share, I think it was one of your interviews. I can't remember his name. It's going to he was like Maper of the Year, 2012. Troy Harris the second. Troy Harris the second. And I think he commented that he, if the first year he applied, he didn't get selected. And then the second year, he went for it again and he got selected, went on to be Maper of the Year. And he's like had a pretty awesome career. I think if you bring your authentic self, if you're prepared, if you're not afraid to be a little vulnerable about what it is you're trying to accomplish, people are going to see that. People are going to see it. But at the same time, like MAPE is designed to introduce exceptional talent to our industry and the selection progress, the, the selection process does have to be rigorous because we're counting on the org to bring and introduce us to great talent. Yep. So it's important if you don't make it your first time around and you have a second shot to learn from it and, and come back and try again. And if you don't make it, um, really reflect on like, well, what happened? What did I maybe not do right? You know, what could I have done better? Because there'll be tons of opportunities. So for those of you that maybe don't make it through, like, you know, keep your head up. It's going to be okay. I promise. You know, you still have your shot. Yeah. And I mean, just to point out that, you know, the uniqueness and even, even Troy's story, right? And I can't say that Troy did anything right or wrong to not get selected. Like, I'd look at it as like college admissions, right? You could have the same application every year, get in one year, not be able to get in the next year. There's so many other factors, especially in an industry like advertising that is a service industry. And we rely on our clients, what our clients need and what they want are at the time. And they're just, you might be exceptional, just might not be a role for you at the time. You know, and I think you touched upon a point about like just being uniqueness, right? So being an overachiever is like one way to get into MAPE, right? There are people who are, you know, not necessarily, I don't want to say like overachievers, but they just have a different way to do things, right? They might be a little introverted and they just are an amazing designer, right? And, but they're not like overachieving in that kind of like leadership type role, but their skills are on point. So it's really just dialing into like what you are unique and then that will shine through. And then if you don't get slayed, it's not that you did something wrong or someone who got right. It's like there, I mean, I've seen literally the most amazing application, the most amazing applicants not get through because they're, is the reason was like there was no role for that person at that time. Next year, they got in because it was the right time for that. So I think keeping keeping that in mind that you know it's not a reflection on you as a person. I mean, I, I remember getting in this industry, and I, I always say I've never heard the word no more until my daughter turned two, and then it was just like all the time. But I mean, I had a stellar resume. Everyone loved me, but it was no, no, no. We don't have this, no, not the role, not the time. And I've got the break, right? So it's thinking about just, I think you can learn so much from this MAPE application process. Like even before, even if you don't make it in, I remember one guy when I was running MAPE, he didn't make it in. Great, great applicant, just didn't make it in. And he he hit me up and I was like, oh, he's going to yell at me about how bad the program is. He didn't, he was like, thank you so much for this. Like that application helped me really think about who I am, my story, what I wanted to do, how I was going to pitch myself in the deck you guys gave us with all the recruiters, helped me reach out and actually have a full-time job now. And I was like, perfect. Yes. And that goes back to the point you said, like learn from this experience. And it's like, well, okay, now what am I going to do going forward? 
whether I make it or not in the program. But yeah, so that's 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 good good insight into how how Ed Frankel what Ed Frankel looks for. And I mean, there are many more other folks out there who are uh, screening and interviewing out there. And that, that combination of all those different perspectives brings in such a unique, gifted MAPE class. And like, I think one of the things also to remember is like, I'm, I'm in a diff, I'm in a un, slightly unique situation because when my team, we go through the draft and we're looking and screening and figuring things out, like we're saying, we're going to hire 15 MAPE fellows this summer. It's mm, a lot. And that creates a lot of room for maybe pulling somebody in that like, you know, maybe didn't nail the video or didn't nail the essay, but you've recognized there's something on there that's pretty special. So yeah, it's a hard, it's hard. It's like, well, I mean, I spent a lot of time preparing when we're like getting screeners, going through that process. People are like, how hard should I be? I'm like, B, I want you to, we want to hire great talent. Like I want people to show up prepared and understanding what MAPE is and why they want to be here. And then when we're going all the way, it's January and we're getting ready for draft day. Maybe I'm jumping ahead on you, Carl, but it's, all good. it's like preparing people emotionally for what's going to happen on draft day. You know, the, the anxiety, and maybe we'll talk about this later, but like the anxiety of, will I get picked? It's, it weighs on all of us. It's not just yeah. the fellows. It's yeah. not just the fellows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, let's, well, let's, 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 let's continue down down the path, right? So we were, this is like applying and kind of a little bit of screening, right? A kind of first pass through, which I'm getting, it's happening November 16th, it starts. So soon after the applications close, um, then you get into the interview process. And, you know, 2020 brought a new different approach to interviewing, right? I remember before it was like, try to meet in person, phone as a secondary and like video maybe. Now it's like, oh, it was all video. Right. Oh, actually, maybe not in this room, but now it's like everything's video. What are some tips for folks if they make it to that round to kind of, and I'm sure you've done a lot of video interviewing, you know, with, with all the applicants and all the jobs you have open. What are some tips for folks about video interviewing? So I'll share early on during this transition that we all made to when we were working from home, I was doing some good old fashioned video shaming on people like mm. Carl, turn on your video. Carl, what's up? I want to see your face. And what I learned pretty quickly is like, wait a second, not everybody has a brick wall behind them. You know, not everybody has a wall full of books and a Gibson guitar and a skateboard and, uh, you know, whatever it is, the mini bar. Some people are like sitting on their twin size bed in their apartment and like their little brother is in the next room. They might not have that set up. So we've actually been talking more and more lately as recently as yesterday, like maybe we should stop video interviewing people on the first call the first, this first screen, because it's creating too much of an opportunity for biases to sneak into this process. And not everybody has the, the spot to set up. What I will say is if you have to do some video, I want you to be thoughtful about where you're going to set this up. Where am I going to be? What's my background going to look like? Now I'm sitting in my basement right now. And I used to be on the other side of the room I'm in right now. And my wife would be walking by all day long, like getting, doing whatever she was doing. And finally, somebody commented, they're like, wow, your wife does a lot of laundry. Now I've got three little kids and a dog and an active household. So yeah, we do have laundry. I didn't realize it was that much, but this person happened to catch my wife like on one or two occasions with like a laundry basket. And so I was like, all right, I got to change my setup because people are getting distracted. Mm. And also they're creating these stories about my life that I don't want people crafting. My wife's a digital account lead, works in the business, super talented. And the person perception of my wife is like, she's just doing laundry all day long. 
So I shifted. I'm like, all right, I can go into this corner. I'm not going to have a five-year-old unless he comes around. And by then I can get my camera off if I have to. So think about where you're setting up this, where you're setting up the shot. If you don't have a spot that works wherever you live, you might want to share that with the interviewer. You might want to tell them, you know, I full candor, I don't really have a good video set up in my apartment that I'm in or I'm in my house or wherever I am. Or you might have a friend that'll let you come and use their space, the quiet space to use. Um, Because people, unfortunately, get distracted. People get distracted. Um, So you want to be in a quiet space, you know, but you know, Carl, at the beginning of this, before you hit record, I said, I got three little kids here on a half day today. Somebody might come in. And if that does, just be cool. Say one moment, turn off the camera. I'll be right back. Mute the thing. Dismiss your colleague. You know, my colleagues are five, six, and nine years old. I dismiss. (laughs) I try to help them go back to wherever they need to do. And then I get back to work. So... Yeah. Unfortunately, the distractions, try to limit those distractions. If you're going to be in your bedroom, that's fine. Make the bed, put away your stuff. We don't want to have all that stuff distracting people. I like, I like, I like the idea of the distractions because that, that actually goes over into whether or not you're on video or not. Right. People think, I think now it's more like, oh, I'm not on video. I can walk around. There might be noise in the background. You know, whether you're on the phone or not on video on a zoom call, the idea of like, you don't want either the interviewer or you yourself being distracted, if possible, you know, as little distraction as possible. Um, Because you're right. It's like, I mean, I think in this new, as we all know, in this new day and age of everyone working remotely, you know, distractions will happen whether you want to or not, right? Your kids might come down. We might hear your kids on the pad just because, you know, you got three kids at home. You know, my daughter's at school, but once she's home, any second she could run in here because she loves to get on and be like, oh, are you, the, are you the host? Oh, can I do a virtual background? Oh, who did that? Oh, can I say hi? And those are, I love it. it's like, yeah, there are going to be distractions, but how can you minimize them no matter what situation you're in to make sure that you are there, you're present. Like we talked about that red, yellow, green check-in at the beginning, right? How can you be as present as possible, right? Given all that's going on. And I love the idea of transparency. It's like, hey, Let's be upfront about this before. So it's not a huge like departure from the meeting or the interview when we have. Yeah. Like let's prepare each other emotionally for what might happen. And that's, to be honest, that's, that's the, that's kind of the point probably should actually, I should do the radio green check-in too. Is that point of that check-in really is to both be on the same page and how we're showing up right now. So I know if you're showing up red, Ed, what I said that maybe got you a little more upset is not all on me, right? And I also know, like, maybe if you're showing up red, Ed, maybe we need to have this conversation later. Right. Right. Another or time. It could be the perfect time to have it. Or it could be the perfect time, right? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Depending on what the conversation is. That's but right. it, it's just showing up and knowing, um, understanding that and being transparent with the person. Because, I, you know, I have my years of, I don't think I've, oh, I've done interviews, but not as from an agency standpoint. But, like, Agency folks who do this, they're doing it as volunteers, unless something's changed and MAPE has been paying folks to, oh, I shouldn't even say that, put that idea out there. But they're doing it on their own. They, they're doing it because they want to. And they yes. don't want to be like, they're not doing this interview so they can say, no, you can't get into MAPE. So they'll be a little more accommodating and they are very busy people. So let's all be cognizant of other people's times. But it's, it might be okay to be like, hey, today actually is not going to work. Can we reschedule? In a, in, a, in, a, in a way that actually makes 
that person be like, you know what? I get it. I understand. Let's try to find another time. Yeah. I mean, that is a good call out, Carl. I mean, people that are involved with MAPE are there because they want to be there. You know, nobody forces anybody to go to the face of talent luncheon. Nobody forces anybody to be a reviewer or a screener or helping out on draft day or anything with MAPE. Right. I, at least in my experience, I've never been at an event and bumped into somebody who was like, Oh, I just don't want to be here. Like people are psyched. (laughs) It's true. You know, you've got that, you've got that on your side. It's just the thing that makes me the craziest though, Carl, when people come in for that interview and I've heard this feedback a couple of times, we've shared this feedback. They just didn't, they didn't even seem to understand what was going on. Like Mm. they didn't, maybe they didn't understand the application process or wait, I'm going to actually have to come to New York city this summer if I get the internship. Although, I mean, that's things have changed, but preparation is so important. It's not just about having a distraction free background or environment. It's like, I'm like you said, present. I know exactly what MAPE is. I know what it stands for. I know the history. I know what I'm about because the thing that distracts interviewers the most is like people, they didn't seem enthusiastic. They didn't seem to know a lot about us, the opportunity. So we're going to pass because Carl came in. He knew exactly what it was. He knows who we are, where we fit into it. He understands our core values. He actually talked about how that aligns. So that preparation is so critical because we want you to be successful. So spend a little bit of time, you know? And I want, I want to be, I want to make a point because I think, I think preparation is key. And I think uh, I'm going to ask you this question later, but a lot of what I'm hearing, what we're talking about actually relates to getting a full-time job. Right. And I just want to be very clear with me when folks interview, like let's say with, with you, Ed, they're not interviewing for a position at Omnicom health group. They're interviewing for a slot in MAPE. So there's two things that preparation that I think is needed. One is the understanding of MAPE, right? I've said it a couple of times. You got to know, you know, the applications are due the 13th, screening starts the 16th, and interviewing will start first week of December. Knowing those things about MAPE, what MAPE is, how, how the process works is important. And also knowing about your interviewer. So if I'm interviewing with you, Ed, yes, I need to know stuff about you, Omnicom Health Group, things like that. But also understand I'm not interviewing for a position at Omnicom Health Group at that time. Because that's, I think a lot of people get, both interviewers and interviewees get confused about that. Because I have Ed here interviewing me for Omnicom Health Group, but I'm not interviewing for a position at Omnicom Health Group. That seems a little strange. And that goes back to what you said about knowing the process and the application process of the program. Right. Yep. Good call out. Good reminder. So these are all, all things. So now, oh, so now I want to ask you that question because before we go into to selection slash draft day, however people want to call it these days, as I hear, as we talk about this, like a lot of this is bringing up stuff like this is all stuff that you maybe should also do for a full-time job eventually. Like how much of this process and MAPE also relates to like a full-time job application interview, things like that? Yeah, I, there are lots of parallels. Always be prepared is of course at the center of this. Whatever you're trying to do, be just, and this is just the practice in life. Be prepared for what you're rolling into. How did I prepare for this podcast? How do you prepare for a meeting you're going to go into? How do you prepare for an interview? You got to, there has to be a thoughtfulness about it because people will detect if you are prepared or not, especially somebody that's been doing this for a little while. One of the things that's different about me though is you'll talk to me as a screener. Hmm, let me think about that. I mean, as a candidate, if you're, if you're trying to get a job with an organization, that's a little different. You, I don't even always recommend to people that they actually apply for the job online. Mm. Uh, you know, find somebody from your community, whether it's uh, you went to a certain university, is there anybody from, my, I don't know if you want to go down this path, but like, is there somebody from my university that works at that organization? Is there somebody from my, maybe like my 
fraternity or sorority that works there, or wait, I'm a MAPE alumni. Are there MAPERS that work at that organization that I can connect to that could give me the secrets of what's the best way to apply? And they might be like, oh yeah, don't apply. I know the head of recruiting. I'm just going to introduce you right to him or her, and they're going to get you right to the front of the line. Or we have an employee referral program that helps you go to the front of the line as well. And, and I'll get paid for helping you with that. So I'm motivated to, to incentivize to help get you to the front of that line. So I think networking is a really critical piece of this. I'd even recommend that to MAPERS that are applying for the program now. You know, you went to a school where there's alums that of MAPE alumni that went to your university. I'm sure that those alums would be happy to connect with you to give you some tips on how to beef up that application or be extra prepared for when you're going into those screenings. I mean, simple little things like before you even have the meeting, if you know you're meeting with me as a screener, drop me a line in advance, you know, like, hey, Mr. Frankel, don't do that. Hey, I'm excited <laughs> to meet you, you know, although I think I'm bald enough and old enough to be Mr. at this point. But just saying I'm looking forward to the meeting, letting people know you're excited about it will get them excited about it. You know, there's like little little steps along the way to help separate you and get people just as jazzed as, as you are about the opportunity. Yeah, I just said jazzed. You did. That's that Mr. Frankel in you. Shit. <laughs> Pardon. Um, no, I, I agree. Like there, I mean, I think the whole, I mean, MAPE is supposed to, the whole goal of MAPE is to bring the most talented, prepared, diverse people into the industry. And so part of why I asked that question was like, I wanted to demonstrate and it really just parse out the nuances of how MAPE is preparing, even just through the application, right? So even if you don't make it into MAPE, you've already started to be prepared through this process and going through it. So you've always already been through what it's kind of like to interview for a full-time role before you even, you know, got accepted to MAPE or not, or even had a full-time role. I think that is so critically important that every step of this has been planned to help people understand and prepare them for what it's like to get a job in advertising from the moment that application goes live to the moment the face of talent happens at the end of the year. And then through the MAPE community, MAPE alumni community afterwards. And it's so critical to understand and take advantage of this experience and know that even if you don't make it past even the first round, you've already started on long the journey. Let's talk about Draft slash selection day. I'm going to check in with the folks back in New York at the Forest what do we call it? I call I, it draft day because I want people to understand the urgency. You've got to show up on time, early, clicking like crazy, have your names interesting, copy pasted, ready to go. You're when you select that person, and then you got to put a look, you could put a little message, you know, like have that message pre written that you're drop copying and pasting and dropping in there. So, you so get this is more for person. your folks internally. This is for trying to people. get them, yeah. Because yeah. I think the official name I'm getting from from the Forest Foundation back in New York is Selection Kickoff, Ooh, right? Because like um, I understand, I like the I like the feel of Draft Day, right? Because you're right, it's like it gets people hype. It's like okay, you got to be on top of things. My hesitation was calling it draft because it doesn't work like a draft, right? right. It's not like right. Omnicom Health Group picks first, and they're you know then next is this, and you can make trades. Um, trust me, we explored that when I was there, and it just got messy real quick. Oh yeah, um, feelings would be hurt. Oh, feelings would be hurt. Feelings would be hurt. Like I, I probably would have been fired like seven times if we tried to make that happen. But it, so it's like you know, so, so let's just use selection kickoff. I love that you internally yeah. like hype folks up and call it draft day, and yes, you got to be ready. I love that. It's like get your pre pop. If you're an agency, you're listening, like. These are tips for you too. Like 
get that that quote ready to to put in there and copy paste and because I don't know like back when I was running it I think the record for the from selection opening to the first offer being sent was something like six seconds. Oh, it's fast, my man. Like I'm sure it's faster now because like folks like you've been doing this, you got the you got it down, you got your how you operate it. Um uh that being said, right, it goes fast, it's quick, but it is also a process. So it can also take a day or two to actually get an offer mm-hmm. because there are like hundred more than a hundred agencies, hundreds of applicants. And yes, some people get it immediately. And it doesn't mean that you're not as good an applicant, right? Against about what roles are there and who, what, and their agencies come in last minute. There's a whole bunch of stuff that happens. So it is a process, it does happen fast, but it, is a, it, it does take time too to kind of sort everything out. Because remember, as applicants, if you get an offer, you have 24 hours to accept. I'm just going off what I know from years and years and years ago. You're right. You're right. right? And so if I get an offer, even in six seconds, I don't have to accept for another 24 hours. That's my time limit. So that means things can happen, you know, a day or two later based on who accepts, who doesn't and whatnot. Um, but let's there have talk- been times that I think it's important to point out, like we definitely roll in prepared because, you know, like this year we recruited 16 at selection. That's a lot. And, um, you know, we come up with, we, I think we came up with our top 25 and, listen, 25 was, was still a huge get. So don't get me wrong. Like we're psyched anybody on that list and we could have gone to a top 50, but I just know we are so prepared, but there were like hours. I know we had some glitches this year with on selection day, but we're hours gonna, later where it's like, you know that. what, <laughs> <It's not mentioned laughs> about it. where, you know, you go back and you're like, you know what, or an agency might hear about it and then be one of those last minutes and be like, we really love to get an art intern. And then you're mm-hmm. picking somebody at five o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. It's not a reflection on the candidate on the maper. It's a, usually a reflection on us, like just having our act together, you know? So, Tell me about it. but it's intense. It's intense. Intense. For those who, who want to believe, and I might be misspeaking again, I should have done my research. There might be some videos of past selection days out there on the interweb somewhere. If you want to get a, just a, a glimpse into what happens that day and just the the excitement, the nervousness, the intensity of that day. Because it, I mean, I remember people were saying like, I left class, like applicants, I left class just to get this, or I didn't see it. And I had people texting me like, yo, yeah, did, you, did you see it? It's out. Let's go. Trust me, I've seen it from in, I've been on the MAPE side of the MAPE, you know, 4A's foundation side of it and also on the agency side of it. And like you said, like people will book rooms for like the whole day, set up early, come in, get ready, have like compute. Everyone's got this. It's like command central. Everyone yes. is so excited to grab yes. a maper that yes. day. And especially if 16, that's a lot. Yeah, that's we're booking lot. conference rooms. I'm telling people you're showing up at 1230, you're staying until three. I don't know what's going to happen. I might release you at 108, we'll be done. Selection starts at 1 p.m. Eastern or it has at least the last bunch of years. Sometimes things don't go exactly right. You got to hang around and, and help us get through it. Can I share some thoughts about what, so you're, a, you are an applicant mm-hmm. and you get an offer. Can I share some yeah. thoughts around that? Of course. So, you know, it's interesting, Carl, you at the top of this, you talked about how, you know, introduced healthcare communications to this community. And um, like our first year, I mean, there was a lot of like, just one at a time telling people who we are and what it's about when we made on selection, reaching out to each one and saying, each person we extended an offer to saying, we're going to guess healthcare wasn't at the top of your pick list. You know, um, 
but we'd love to get on the phone with you and help you understand why it could be a good opportunity. And like, we've, we've had pretty good success at converting people, like getting people to say, you know, yeah, of course I want to be a MAPE fellow. So like count me in and I'm open to learning. You know, I think we, when we're, I'm going to, I'm going to project, I'm going to pretend I'm a MAPE semifinalist. It's it's selection day. You know, it's like there, you might have your list like, oh man, I really hope, I don't know why didn't picks me today. Right. Or RGA. God, I really hope they pick me today. And then you get picked by, you know, an agency in Maine. Because I think there is an agency in Maine. There always seems to be one yep. Maper in Maine. Yep. There's one in Maine. There's one up there, which is awesome. It means beautiful. And oh, sorry. There's, uh, okay. I just got word. There are three agencies in Maine now. Oh, my goodness. Even better. That's awesome. That's, that makes me happy. So nobody's alone. But although things are different now, so it's not quite the same. But be open to the opportunity that MAPE creates for you, wherever the offer comes from, however it comes. Because you get one, you get one offer. And I'm always surprised when I hear from colleagues that the person they extend an offer to has declined it. Now, there are times where seniors will decline it because they got an offer, a full-time offer. And I get that. Like, you know, sometimes you got to take that full-time job over the internship. If it's, if it's like, you know what, I don't know if I really want to work at XYZ agency, or I said I wanted to do strategy, but I got, a, I got an internship in account services. Your career is going to be this amazing long trajectory of experiences. And I think mate, the MAPE program is so powerful being a part of this MAPE community, as a MAPER, you reach out to Mark Strachan, the man is gonna give you time. But if some random person that has no connection to anything reaches out to Mark Strachan, I'm not so sure that, I mean, Mark is a very generous guy, but like the point is, is that it connects you with this community of thousands of MAPE alumni that can be more powerful than a university alumni network if you don't have deep ties into your university, if you haven't done a lot of deep organizational stuff. So I say, if you get the offer, you've put all this work into doing it, you have to go for it. You got to go for it. I'm not just saying that because I work in healthcare and I want people to come accept my offers. People accept the offers and it's good. And, and then we convert people and we hire people into full-time jobs. But I think that be open to what the experience is. If you are one of three interns in Maine, go and make the best experience. Be a part of the community. Learn everything that you can. Because what you think you want to do now may not actually end up being the thing you want to do. And every experience builds on the next experience. So I'll get off my horse for that one or my soapbox. No, that's, you, I, I was on that horse with you because that's not only have I heard, you know, and, and witnessed that happening in MAPE and having had to talk to people and say, listen, MAPE, I mean, it's a summer. It's 12 weeks. Well, the, the traditional in-person section is 12 weeks, yeah. right? And then you got the other weeks with the, or 10 weeks, and then you got the, virtual training, it goes by so fast. Everyone says it every summer. It goes by so fast. Too fast. Too fast. Yeah, yes. And so I remember having to talk to someone who really wanted to be in New York. They got an offer in San Francisco and they were not going to accept it. I just sat down with them and I was like, listen, when are you going to have the opportunity for someone to pay you to come across the country, work there in a different city, get help to live there, because it's San Francisco in New York, you know, some of these cities are expensive to live in. Not that often. And so yeah. after this conversation, this maper ended up going to San Francisco and they actually ended up getting a full-time job and staying there for years. Wow. Right? And even, yeah. even myself personally, I wanted to be, I wanted to get in this industry as a strategist. And back in 07, it was hard to find really anything, right? So there was a, global recession or recession on the, on the, on the horizon. And the only, the only 
opportunity I had was an internship in account management at Arnold Worldwide in New York. And I struggled with, I don't want to do account management. I want to do strategy, but this is all I got. Do I wait it? And I took it and it set my career on a path. Now I'm no longer in strategy. Well, in an, in an agency. And I spent the last eight years in EDI work, but that opportunity opened up so many doors. It's opened up me. That's how I learned really about MAPE and experienced me. I didn't, I didn't do MAPE, but that's what I learned about experience. And it helped me all along. So I think people tend to look at it, it's only just, it really is just such a moment full of opportunity to your point that if you can release that, I need to be in New York, New York will always be here. That city you want to be in will always be there. And now you have an opportunity to go have such an experience in a different city with different people doing, you know, different things. Like grab onto that. Said. Grab onto it, man. Yeah. I mean, I think about my career, I started in like TV commercial and video music production. Like, mm. and now I'm recruiting for, it's like your career is a path and every experience builds on the next thing. Just be open. Just be open to what the potential could be and then go into it full steam ahead. You can't roll into it. Like I didn't want to work in healthcare anyways, or I never wanted to be in San Francisco anyways. Like, no, be there, be present in the moment. Uh, and, and get everything you can out of it. Sort of like, why would you half-ass your application to MAPE? Give, put, we can tell. You got to do it for real. Let somebody read those letters that you're writing. Yeah. You know, if you don't get a good recommendation letter from that professor, it just feels like he just used or she just used a template. Go back with your own written one and say, I punched up some ideas for you for my letter of recommendation. Are you comfortable with this? Listen, like, I'm sure you as someone who gets asked to write a lot of letters and me as well, when someone comes with a letter written for you and all you have to do is make little edits to make it sound like you, like happy to do that. Um, oh my the, goodness. Yes. That's amazing. So take control of those situations. Cause if you just mail it in, you're going to be that intern that people are like, they didn't really want to be here. And it totally showed in everything that they did, everything they did. So you got to roll in heavy. Got to roll in heavy. Um, Ed, we're doing, first off, this has been an amazing conversation. I know that it will give a lot of, of insight, a lot of tips, a lot of help to applicants for years to come. I hope so. We're doing a new segment. It's called, well, I don't actually know what it's called yet, but the premise is that the name of the podcast is Left Unsaid, right? Where we leave nothing left unsaid. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to leave it all there, leave it all out. I think we're, I, I, I need more of my community to spend more time figuring out ways to, I'm going to focus on my Maple alumni community for a minute, which there are thousands of Maple alumni out there. And some are thriving and some are hurting. I need our community to be more open to the potential that talent has. Focus on the past experience as, and celebrate those as wow, they've done the work. They can do the work. It may not be the exact thing that we're doing here. It may not be the same language that we're working in. It might not be 100% connected. But I think we need to focus more on, like I talked about our entry-level talent, recognize the work that they have done, whether it's the person that worked at the Gap for three summers in a row or somebody who's been an art director working on a certain category, but they're trying to make a shift. Be open to the potential. I think as an industry, we need to spend more time developing 
investing and developing our talent, especially mid and senior level talent and our diverse talent, because we let too much talent wash out of this business because we're not wrapping our arms around them tight enough. And it's something we're spending a lot of time working on at my company, trying to figure out the development path for talent, uh, like making sure like, what are we doing? How can we spend more time developing the talent? Because right now we're so focused on that hour, the billable hour utilization. We need to step back a little bit and create space to get people to help bring people along. And I think as an industry, we have to do a better job with that. I'll just give a shout out to the Vanguard program that Forays is launching, focusing on developing black talent specifically, which I think is, is important. Uh, there's a lot more accountability ever since May 25th than I've ever seen before. And I just hope that momentum continues, but investing in the talent, we have to keep doing that. Let me get to see if I, if I could, or have you wrap it up. What I got from that wrap up in three words, invest in the invest in talent. How would you, how would you, how would you, how would you say it? Yeah. I mean, talent's at the center of everything we're trying to accomplish here. We're working a creative industry. We're not making widgets. We're not going to invest in new robots or the new software program that's going to eliminate, uh, you know, four milliseconds, which is going to let us create 87 more who's what's it's, you know, an hour. Like if we're not investing in the talent and creating the space for people to learn and develop their skills, our clients are eventually going to resent us and fire us. Mm-hmm. So the talent, the talent's at the center of everything. Carl, I started my career in TV commercial production. So, I mean, it was a lot of fun, but I looked at it and I was like in 25 years where I am now. I want to have a family. I don't want to be on a shoot at 11 o'clock at night in Long Island City, you know, waiting for whatever. I don't want to do that. I made the shift to agency life as an account person, as a project manager, actually, because I was just like, I just wanted to gig gig at an agency. And it's led me down this crazy path um, of openness. And people have been open to me, which I'm thankful for, and giving me those opportunities. We need more of that. And I think that's part of why I'm so passionate about MAPE. So we're creating opportunities for people to get in the door and then stay. Seize this opportunity. Don't half-ass it, MAPE applicants. Do it for real. And MAPE screeners, do it for real. You know, everybody. This is everybody. It's serious. This is serious. Can't be messing around. I, 100%, I, think, I think that's the message for everyone, right? Just do this for real. Do this for real. Well, Ed, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule chat with us and share your thoughts, your opinion, your wisdom with the millions of listeners. We, it's probably like five people. My mom's not even included in that. Um, I'm self-including. Yeah. My mom, my wife, my mother-in-law. <laughs> it's basically the whole family is the only <laughs> listeners. But no, thank you for sharing. I think this has been, been a great conversation. I know we're probably going to talk more on and probably offline about all of this. And man, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing, seeing you get those 16, Fellows in 2021, hopefully more. We're trying, man. We're gonna keep. We're gonna keep showing up and keep pushing. That's that's our responsibility. So thanks for having me here, Carl. Yeah. This was uh, an honor to be here. You're doing strong work, which I appreciate. I'm excited to see where things go for you, as well as Mape, the foundation, the whole crew over there. That's good people. Good people. Yeah, good doing stuff. good work. Yep. And everybody, if you're if you are applying to Mape, remember the applications are due. November 13th. Get them in. Make them great. See you all next time.